This is Dr. Karen, and this is the Are They 18 Yet podcast, where I help parents raise independent, self-sufficient kids without sacrificing their own identity and sense of purpose. I'm here to share practical day-to-day solutions for raising kind, successful, well-adjusted human beings and actionable advice for supporting systemic changes so we can make this world a more inclusive, accepting place now and for future generations. Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 13 of the Are They 18 Yet podcast. In this episode, I sat down with my husband, Joe, and we talk about a couple things. First, we share what it was like when we first met. So when we were dating, what it was like when he was considering bringing another person into the picture, knowing that he had a three-year-old daughter at home. And I originally intended this conversation to be a little bit more about that, a little bit more about his experience being a single parent. But We kind of got sidetracked and ended up talking about money and our thoughts on how we handle our financials and how we got on the same page about that. So I decided to just let this be an episode mostly about money because we have found that this is one way that we keep our relationship strong. Money is something that comes up a lot in arguments with couples. And I truly believe that having a strong marriage is one way that you can be there for your kids. If you don't have a united front on key issues like how you handle your finances, then that makes it really hard to be a united front with the way that you parent your kids. And of course, there are so many opportunities to teach your kids lessons about how they handle money, the relationship with money, how they think about it. And in this conversation, we share not just how we talk about money together and how we get on the same page, our strategies for saving, how we eliminate arguments before they even start. We also share how we involve Olivia in those discussions because there are a lot of things both of us looking back would have liked to do differently. And there are things that we wish that we would have learned a lot younger. And so we want to make sure that we share those things with Olivia and help her to have a good relationship with money and grow up to be a successful, responsible adult so that one day she is able to, if she wants to be in a relationship, have a conversation with her partner and be able to get on the same page with them as well. So this is something that can be kind of sensitive to talk about. And Joe and I actually talked about it really early on. I think I remember maybe the third date even talking about money and just our overall philosophy. So we get into that in this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Before we get going in the episode, I wanted to share that I have a brand new resource for parents who want to help their kids become more independent with things like chores and homework. One of the things that has come up very often this year is 
figuring out how to support kids in getting all of their work done, which has been huge this year with remote learning, probably more so than most years. I know a lot of parents just feel like the missing assignments are piling up. It's hard to get kids motivated and on task when it comes to doing homework independently at home. So with the Time Study Journal, I actually walk through how you can help your child if they tend to procrastinate, avoid work, or if they just feel really overwhelmed with their homework and have a hard time putting it all together in managing deadlines. To check that out, all you need to do is go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash time journal and check it out. So this is a simple tool that you can use to walk through a strategy that takes about 10 to 15 minutes a day that is going to help build the time management and organization skills your kids need to be independent and successful. So just go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash time journal to check it out. So now please enjoy episode 13. Where should we start? It's your podcast. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So why don't you go first? Why don't you talk about where you were when we met in your life? I had recently bought a house. Um, I was a single dad. So I was previously married and Olivia was just getting ready to start kindergarten and I was in the process of finishing a house that I bought to make sure that she was getting into what I felt was a, a good school. And yeah, I'd, I'd been dating on and off for, you know, a couple of years, but hadn't found anything that, you know, really made me happy and and content. So I was continuing to look and... Um, lo and behold, this amazing woman um, came into my life, and that's me. Just in case you know, we need to clear that up, but where I was, so I was. I had also been married before, and the topic of kids had come up. And I always thought that I wanted kids when I was younger, but then when it actually came to actually doing it, I got cold feet. And so I wasn't really sure where I stood on the whole kids thing, but I was definitely open to dating somebody who had a child from a previous marriage. So when we met, I was working, I was a speech pathologist in the schools. I was looking for potentially to get some kind of an administrative job. So I was thinking about moving. Do I want to move away? Do I want to stay here? And also, I was finishing my doctorate, so I had a bunch of stuff that was kind of up in the air. So when I met Joe, who had a a daughter who was going to be going to school here, that definitely brought up a lot of questions about how I felt about things and how committed I was and, and what I wanted to do and the choices that I wanted to make. I would say that... Um... You know, in doing online dating and just dating as a whole, Olivia was 
the the center of she she was a first priority. So and and what I mean by that is I I looked at it as a package deal. Um if somebody was not okay, quote unquote, with um me being you know a, an active father and and Olivia's school was based on my address and and my ex uh lived about an hour away. So there would be a significant amount of time with Olivia here in this house. And so I wanted to make sure that not only was whoever I dated comfortable with the whole thought of having a a child that wasn't theirs in in the house, but also I looked at it as an opportunity to give Olivia, you know, something to strive for and something to, to shoot for. So education was very important to me as I had a master's degree. So I was looking for somebody who, you know, had a college degree or, or had education, you know, be important to them. An active lifestyle was important to me. So I wanted to find somebody who had an active lifestyle that was important to them, but it wasn't just about me and, and for, for me, it was much more about setting an example. Like you said, a package deal. And it's funny that you say, a child that wasn't theirs, because I definitely consider Olivia to be my child. But I can see how sometimes it feels that way, especially when you're dating and you are you met this person and there is another person involved that you don't know yet that you're also committing to. Let's talk about some of the early conversations that we had, because It's really funny. I listened to, you know, there's dating advice and things like that. We met on OkCupid back when it was a website before there were dating apps. So that makes us sound old, probably. But there's all these it seems like with dating and there's all these rules that you're supposed to follow, like, you know, don't call for two days or don't talk about these subjects on a first date or within the first month. And we pretty much didn't follow any of those rules because there was a child involved. And I think there are certain boundaries when there are kids involved, but it's it's different. I think there was just less, less BS and beating around the bush, and we kind of just got to the point. So um, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the things that you – wanted to just put out on the table right away when it came to the relationship and how and parenting and all of that and how it all fit together. I'd first like to say that I'm not that old because okay Cupid was an app, but uh somebody out of in our relationship didn't have a smartphone, so oh, was not yeah. aware that there was an app for it. So just just oh, for yeah. the record, um we're not Did you use the that app? old. Yes, I used You were on the, the app. app. Okay, so I was the only dinosaur that was on the website. And I miss those days of not having a, a smartphone when I literally just used a phone to text and call people. But anyways, go back to what you were saying. <laughs> One of the things that I made sure in my dating life was um, not actually introducing Olivia to anybody I was dating in the form and fashion of, hey, this is this is my significant other. 
So it doesn't mean that she never met anybody that I was dating, but it was always done as, hey, we're doing a play date with so-and-so, and you know, I happen to be there hanging out as well. And she was really young, and, and so I, I think that this piece of advice, in my opinion, varies depending on the age and the maturity of a child. But I also think that it's important to understand that children can form attachments and bonds very quickly and don't understand the complexity of a relationship, even even as they get older. And, and Olivia is now in middle school and, you know, she's starting to quote unquote date. Um, and, and I use that term very loosely. Obviously, we're not letting her uh, go out and, and do movies or anything in, in this pandemic and and I think it, it's important since you know that that uh, you know they they can form what they feel is very intense connections very quickly and and so um, I I was very purposeful on not introducing anybody to her until I met Karen um, as somebody that I was dating and and as a possible significant other. And so Karen and I had several conversations very early, I'd say probably within the first 10 dates of meeting each other of, you know, some really deep and consequential discussions. And and part of it's, I think, my personality and Karen's personality. Yeah, definitely. I don't like to beat around the bush. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons why we work so well. In in that personality, I don't want to waste my time. You know, at the time I was in, in my 30s, and here I am with, with my daughter getting ready to go into kindergarten. She was four. Well, almost four, but we were thinking about school. She did preschool and then kindergarten. Right. It was one of those things where I was worried about... Wasting time and and it I, I wasn't going to waste my time you know two or three years in in a relationship that I knew wasn't going to go anywhere. So very early we had um, what would typically be set with a, like a six month or twelve month you know point in a relationship. Yeah. Some people don't even talk about these things ever. Which again, I think that a lot of people aren't taught that you should talk about these things. So I think. There's not really any shame if you just haven't done it yet, even if you are, if, you, if you're already married and you haven't talked about some of these things, you know. But but a few lessons learned in previous dating life and also just seeing what could be issues and possible potholes along the way. Um, I thought that it was important to discuss them. So um, one of the very early things that we discussed was, you know, the the fact that, you know, and again, on my dating profile, I think I actually put, we're a package deal, Olivia and I, and that she was a priority for me. And I do remember we, uh, Karen and I were talking very early on about, you know, it, it, what was your thought about, you know, being in a relationship with somebody with a kid and and also, you know, What's your thought about a blended family and and maybe having another kid and and what did that mean? Yeah, that was I remember at the beginning there were definitely times especially when I just met Olivia where you know, we were having she'd be tired and crabby and having a tantrum and I was just thinking, you know, I could if I really wanted to, I don't have to do this. I can go Either way, and yeah, I guess technically you could have made that choice and just said, all right, 
I don't have to be that involved, but obviously that's different when it's your biological child versus you're somebody who's coming in. So I definitely thought about those things as well. So I think sometimes when people are dating and getting into a relationship and they're talking about kids that could potentially exist in the future, like when you're talking to somebody and you're saying, do you want kids? That's different than when there's an actual human being that exists that you're thinking about that is there right now. So I think that parenting came into the picture. Actual parenting had to come into the picture right away because she already existed. And also a lot of the decisions that you were making in your relationships were about you were thinking about parenting at the same time. Whereas if you're, if you don't have kids, then you might talk about some of the things that we talked about early on. And we'll get into that in a minute, but some people like to talk about them because they think it's important. But for us, it was, I think we sped it up even more because of that, because there was a child involved. So there's the whole thing about, all right, she's going to be at our house a lot. And, you know, she's at our house all week. And the way that we've done our schedule, I've been the one that's getting her to school in the morning. And and that's how it worked. And, and so there was that with the fact that this is something that is going to be that she's going to be living with us for a substantial amount of time. But then we also talked about some other things that you may talk about when you have kids, but you may not. But I think that if you are wanting to have a strong relationship so that you can support your kids so that you can be better able to parent them are just important to talk about. And I think that for us, there was the big things for me, there was money and then boundaries, but boundaries about things that we both wanted to do, but then also how they related to parenting. So I don't know what what you wanted to add there, but (laughs) we could talk about the money thing because that's something that it's like it doesn't – people – I think people should talk about it as soon as possible. I know that it's kind of weird when you first meet somebody to be talking about that, but if you have – kids and they're in activities and you're thinking long term it's just really beneficial to get all of that out on the table right away because you get involved with somebody and then you realize you have very different spending habits that can be really hard on the kids did you want to talk a little bit about how you brought that kind of thing up because i think you were the first one to bring up money stuff yeah, and, and in a way, um, I was probably somewhat scarred. One of my more serious relationships when I first became single was with a, So right after the divorce. Correct. Yeah. Um, was with a woman who, who was a great woman, and, and she had a couple kids herself and got along really well. And she was a nurse and, and fairly successful as as far as income goes, but always found a way to outspend her income month in and month out. And it was always, once I get this, once I get this raise, once I get this, I'll be okay. 
But what I quickly came to find was that it was obviously a spending problem and and not an income problem. And I, I had a previous career in a financial institution, and I would often see couples come in and struggle with finances. And it wasn't always um, not having money. And it wasn't always one spouse spending and the other spouse w- was a saver. It was more It was more the conceptual piece of what is money, how do we use it, how do we leverage it, what's important to us, and how are we going to use that to move our life forward. And so it was important to me because I have certain goals as far as when I want to retire, um, how long I want to work, how I want to enjoy my time when I'm not working, so vacation time and, and what have you. And it's important to make sure you're on the same page. And and I think one of the great examples of that is the house that we live in right now. We could very easily uh, move into a much larger house with a larger garage and a larger master suite and you know all of these amenities that would be great. But that's, and again, I think one of the reasons why we work so well is even though that's neat and even though the idea of that's like, oh, wow, you know, that could, that could be kind of nice. And, and, and Karen feels fairly much the same way, I think. Yeah. The idea of more just sounds, for some people, I think it sounds freeing, but for me, it feels like a burden. It's just more stuff that you have to pay for. And, More furniture you have to buy to put in it. And I and when you're talking about where you live, that does affect the kids, obviously, because of a school district and how you use your space in your house. And, yeah, it would be nice to have more. But it's – I think we we have a good life for ourselves and also for Olivia with where we are. So there's not really a need to keep – shifting and moving. And with the whole idea of it, it's not it's not being thrifty. Cuz I guess we are thrifty in some ways, but it's more about conscious spending and we got on the same page about that pretty early on as far as our habits because when there's a there's always those questions that have to be answered where it's where do we want to live? Where do we want to work? What hobbies do we want to have? How do we want to save? But then when you have a child, there's all these other questions. So it's, okay, where do we want to live? And now we have to consider the school district. Do we want to send them to private school? What kind of extracurriculars are we going to put them in? And how are we going to pay for that? And how are we going to save for college? And what's our philosophy there? So there's just these other questions that have to be answered. And so just getting on the same page about how we felt about things and what our habits were going to be was really helpful so that there weren't arguments down the line about, you know, Olivia wants to do travel soccer. So where's that money going to come from? Well, we already had it figured out because we had decided on where those buckets were going to be. So... That was really important, and we talked about it right away, and uh, I don't know. I 
I appreciated it. I felt like I knew what I was getting myself into. And as a person who did not have kids, had a lot of anxiety about kids, and felt like in the past when I would express my objections or concerns about having kids, it was just kind of blown off like I was being crazy or something like, oh, don't worry, it'll be so amazing, blah, blah, blah. And and I think just talking about it and putting things on the table was so freeing for me because it's like, all right, this stuff is all going to be taken care of. We've addressed these things. And now you it's not that you don't have to worry about them, but you've at least done as much as you can to set things up to be successful. So, yeah, money boundaries were really I think that's probably one of our biggest things that helped us to start off on the right foot and be able to be in a place where we can have some freedom to do things that we want to do with Olivia. And we are not stressed about money and we're not feeling like we need to do all this extra work and we can have family time with her and we can be proactive because we're not worrying about that specifically. And that's not something that is a stressor for us. A couple of things I would add though, though, um, just, (laughs) Just as a caveat to that, I had similar types of conversations with one or two people I dated before Karen, and it definitely freaked them out because I had conversations fairly early. And again, I I think one of the reasons why Karen and I work so well is because we have a very similar mindset. We do not want to waste our time. We don't want to waste other people's time. And so we wanted to get certain deal breakers off the table right away, right? So so if somebody feels a certain way about finances or spending or whatever the case is, and it and I know for a fact that it's going to be a deal breaker, I don't want to spend three or four months dating that person to then find out that it's a deal breaker. I, I would much rather find out earlier than later. So the, the one piece where your mileage mileage may vary is that you may want to, you know, just understand that not everybody, um, you know, after, you know, a half a dozen dates is ready to talk about how they feel about finances and how they feel about children and, and school and college and what's important and, and not important. But if you have a kid, I feel like that's something that should come up. I, Before I, the first date, I, <laughs> or maybe on the first date, and, and and yes, yes. So so one of the things that that works really well in our relationship is we have the ability to have what we call judgment free spending. So we have an account that the money comes together, and that is to take care of certain things. Do you want to start from the beginning, actually, and just talk about what we do? what our process is and how we talk about that now. Yeah, we can get into that a little bit. So with with Karen starting her own business, I currently work at a fairly large corporation. Um, and so I know every two weeks what my paycheck's going to be. I have health insurance. I'm blessed to have a pension plan while that still is, is around. And Karen at the time was working in the education system and so in, in a school, and so very similar process, right? We knew, She had health insurance. We knew what we were going to uh, get from an income standpoint. When we transitioned and, and had 
Karen start her own company and, you know, kind of jumped in full bore. I wanted to have, I guess, some some rules for the family so that at no point in time did did anyone feel slighted or underappreciated or anything along those lines. And and I think that I think that a lot of times money is not it, it's not discussed in a matter of fact way. We, it's emotional. Yes, we get passionate about it, we get emotional about it, but but the fact of the matter is is money is just a tool that allows you to go out and, and make purchases or save or, or, you know, do whatever you would like with it. And so we, we set up a rule that said that her business, in order for it to be successful, it has to contribute X number of dollars a month to the household. That was expectation. Every month, this is how much that you will deposit into the account, uh, into the household account, and that will pay for uh, utilities and groceries and, and things like that. It goes towards that. And you're the one that makes the payments to the utilities, but I just make sure that I put my portion of what we've decided based on what our bills usually are. I just put the money in there and then you're the one that pays the bills, but really it's mostly automated. A lot of it anyways. I was going to say, technically, I think Citibank pays the bills right. for us. But then, yeah, so we automated. And that's another thing that just having a set process that's either decided up front, even if you have to do it manually, you've just decided what the rules are. So it's not, what are we going to do? It's okay. I'm, I'm just going to do it. But also automating things definitely makes it easier because then there's the decisions made, you don't have to think about it. So that's how we handle the bills. And then we have quarterly, I would say, kind of discussions about what we're going to do. So after your paycheck goes in, my, my paycheck from my work goes in as well. So that money is commingled into our joint account. And that's how we pay for just groceries and utilities and you know bills and, and things along those lines. The money for anything like travel soccer and things like that all come out of that one account. The other thing that we've set up, um, because again, and, and this this is a very intentional conversation that, that we had very early on, security and retirement is something that's very, very important to us. So we know that if Karen's business is doing well, we're not taking that money out and using it for ourselves. The very first thing that we do is we fund her retirement. Yeah. So it's like monthly bills and then it's the buckets that we have when we're looking at each quarter are leaving some money for taxes because I have to pay quarterly taxes as a business owner. So leaving money aside to pay taxes so we don't freak out in April and then retirement. So those are the two main things. And then after that, we decide what we're going to do with the rest. And usually the buckets are things like family travel, and then each of us has some guilt-free spending for where we can do whatever we want with. I'm going to take a quick break to talk about a brand new resource I have for parents, and then we'll get back to the interview. Everyone knows that homework isn't a kid's favorite thing to do, 
But wouldn't it be nice to get through the day without meltdowns and power struggles? For a lot of parents that I work with, it starts in the morning as they're trying to get everyone out the door on time and then continues throughout the day as clutter is piling up in every corner of the house. But when it's time to get homework done, that's when the daily arguments really start. And sometimes kids are willing to spend more time arguing than actually getting their work done, which makes it really hard to enjoy the evening as a family or as a parent have time for self-care after everyone goes to bed. So if this sounds familiar, you're certainly not alone. In my time as a pediatric speech pathologist supporting students with diverse learning needs, I have heard these things from a lot of the families that I've worked with. But what a lot of people don't realize is that things like defiance, refusing to do work, avoidance, procrastination, lack of motivation, focus and effort, or just overall underperforming when it comes to homework and schoolwork, a lot of these things are symptoms of a bigger problem. And procrastination is often a sign of a skill-based issue that impacts many highly intelligent people. Which means if you have a child who does tend to procrastinate, it doesn't mean that they have a behavior problem or that they're lazy. It simply means that they might not have the right skills to know how to get that task done. The good news is that when you address the root cause with the right strategy, it's possible to help kids keep track of their things, pay attention to details, become aware of deadlines, start and finish tasks in a reasonable amount of time, or to be able to sense how long tasks will take so that they can plan ahead. And most importantly, experience some success so they can envision themselves being successful again in the future. That's why I've created the Time Tracking Journal. The Time Tracking Journal is a simple toolkit that walks parents through a set of strategies that will help build time management, motivation, and self-confidence in their kids while they're doing daily tasks like homework and chores. Once you learn how to use a strategy, this is something really simple that you can do in about 10 to 15 minutes a day. And when you sign up for the time tracking journal, not only do you get the actual toolkit, which is a downloadable journal that just walks you through a set of steps to help build these skills in your kids as they're doing their day-to-day -day tasks. You'll also learn some strategies to help improve time management skills, to help kids understand how done looks, and to help kids get tasks done more efficiently and effectively and build critical thinking skills in the process. To grab the time tracking journal, all you need to do is go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash time journal. One strategy done consistently can be the difference between constant power struggles and a peaceful, thriving home. And that's exactly what I show you how to do with the time tracking journal. So just go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash time journal to check it out. Even though we're on the same page with a lot of things, we do have some different ways that we like to spend money and different experiences that we like to have. I've heard these called, um, it was Ramit Sethi who 
said this. He calls them money dials, where it's almost like love languages, but for money, where you just, everybody has their thing that they really like to invest in. And as long as you are taking care of all your other stuff and you don't just indiscriminately spend on whatever, everything, then it's okay to have one area where you are spending a little bit more or maybe more than what some people think is reasonable, as long as you have all of your other ducks in a row. So we have that. And that is something that eliminates arguments because we know that Olivia's stuff is already taken care of. We're funding our retirement, and that is something that also, I think, can get a little convoluted and could affect your parenting because a lot of things that people are saving for, it's like retirement or kids' college. And we've figured out ways to do that so that when by the time we get to the guilt-free spending buckets, there's never any... There's not a guilt trip about, oh, well, you're taking money away from the family, you're being selfish, you're being irresponsible, because we've already decided that that money is there for that. And I think for that is one thing where we are a little bit different, but we've kind of, we've established the parameters for how we're going to allow each other to be different without feeling like we're taking away from the family. So for me, I like to do coaching. I like to talk to life coaches, therapists type people. I like to go to the chiropractor and do self-help type of things. And so that's my money dial. Having somebody help me do something better than I know how to do it and get a result faster rather than trying to DIY it is probably one of my biggest money dials. I'm perfectly happy just buying my clothes at Target or whatever, and not buying a ton of designer purses and new gadgets and things like that. Whereas you, I think you like the gadgets more and also cars. <laughs> I'm shaking my head on the gadgets piece. And and I like cars, but that that's a different story. But but again, it, it doesn't have to be anything that large. And, and when you say cars, it makes it sound like, you know, I spend... Tens of thousands of dollars every year on vehicles. Obviously, that one does have to be a collaborative conversation, but <laughs> but but it could yeah. be something small, you know. So if if I am somebody who is okay with Folgers coffee in the morning, and my significant other has to have you know their tall vintage, you know, blah blah blah, you know, fancy coffee at, at Starbucks or the local coffee place at $5 a day, that can be something that really drives a wedge and and brings resentment, right? Where it's like, well, wait a minute, I am sacrificing and spending 20 cents a day on coffee and you're spending $5 a day on coffee. How dare you? But what oftentimes that person doesn't see is where they're going out and spending, like Karen said, with gadgets, I, you know, I have a new you know, GPS watch that cost $500. So how many days can Karen go to Starbucks? Not that she goes to Starbucks all the time, but right. Like how many days would she be able to go to Starbucks for what it costs for that one watch that, that I upgraded to or, or whatever the case may be. Right. So it's one of those things where I think it's helpful to have that guilt 
risk-free spending because it truly is money that's above and beyond. And it also forces you to really look at what do you really need to spend money on. So in that joint account, what what is really important? We have to pay for utilities. We have to pay for food. We have to do this. Do we have to go out and eat two times a week, three times a week? No, we probably don't. So let's maybe pull back on that. And then if it's important to one of us, then that can be part of the guilt-free spending. And this carries over to our conversations with Olivia because she likes to go to Starbucks and get avocado toast and well, maybe not avocado toast at Starbucks, but she is starting to like to do some of that stuff. And she does like to go out to eat. That's definitely one of her things that she... That's her dial. Yeah, that's one of her dials. And she is at the point where she cares about her clothes. She wants to have nicer things and have things that, I mean, she she has her things that she likes. And also we do like to do vacations and travel and we like to go do things, but we don't want her to be spoiled and think that you can just have whatever you want whenever you want it without having to set some boundaries around it. So we we want her to be able to understand why we're able to do all of those things. So we do talk about it. I think we did at one point say that we were going to give her a budget and it wasn't a matter of us. Like we knew that we had a certain allotment for food and we knew that we could eat out a little bit more than what we were doing and still be okay. But for Olivia, we said, this is your budget or this is how many times we can go out to eat this week so that she understood Because even if you can give your kids things, and even if you can give them more than what you're giving them, I don't think it's always serving them to just give it indiscriminately without them having to understand and there to be some kind of a reciprocal relationship there. And we do have a process for her that we do as well, where it's sort of an age-appropriate version of what we're currently doing I think we started, there was this, it was a Dave Ramsey kids thing, which we started doing it. And then we just sort of made our own version of it. But she has chores that she does and she gets an allowance. And so if she wants to spend money on certain things that she has to spend her own money and certain things we'll get for her because they came out of the other buckets, but certain things, if she wants above and beyond, then that's her guilt-free spending. So I would say her allowance is her guilt-free spending. But but we do have her actually save a portion of her allowance uh, and put it, you know, put it in the bank so that she understands um, that saving is important and, and that putting some money aside is important. And, and that is one of the things that um, when, when I was doing personal banking and, and business banking and, and a little bit with investments, the earlier you start, the, the, the far better you do. And so to try to get her into that mindset, it's something that's important to both of us. I'm definitely, when she is, what, 18, you can start contributing to a Roth? Technically, yeah. I mean, technically, if she has income, you can do it before 18. I wish somebody would have told me that. It was like, I think just the times were different. And I didn't really start to think as consciously about money. It's not that I was ever a spender. 
I mean, I never would go out and rack up a bunch of credit card debt or do anything like that. But I I didn't really think as proactively as I could have. And I wish I would have known certain things before. And so I'm definitely going to share those things with Olivia. Whether she takes my advice or not is, you know, obviously up to her. But one of the biggest things was retirement. I think about all the stupid things that I spent money on that I didn't really need that I could have just put some money into a Roth IRA when I was 18, but I didn't know about that. I was in college and I grew up in a time where the woman would stay home with the kids and they wouldn't be the one to think about money. And it was, you know, they were, the man was the breadwinner and I wouldn't say that this necessarily came directly from any one person in particular, but it was just the messages I got from people or society. society. Yeah, stuff on TV. It was, you're a woman, you should just stay home and have babies. And I think that's why I dug my heels in so much about whether I wanted to have kids, because I was like, wait a minute, I want to do something else. And if you are a stay-at-home mom, I mean, that is, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I have a lot of respect for people who do that because it's, it is a lot of work, but it's not what I wanted for me specifically. I wanted to be able to have a career as well. So I'm not, I'm definitely not taking away from people who do decide that they want to stay home and have kids and they're not going to be working And they're going to be contributing to the family in a different way aside from financially. But it's just not what I wanted. And I felt like I was really funneled into that. And so for Olivia, if she wants that, I hope that that that's what she does. But I want her to know that she has other options. And I want her to have the means to be able to have those options if she wants them. So... Yeah, the the Roth IRA thing, that is one of those things where people always say, if you could write a letter to yourself... If you could write a letter to your younger self, what would you do? (laughs) I would write a letter to 18-year-old Karen and say, don't go to the mall and buy those clothes. Put that money in a retirement account for yourself. (laughs) You'd still probably go buy the clothes. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. We all, we, we all, and and again. And it's fine to buy clothes. (laughs) But, but I think that I probably could have found money somewhere that I didn't need to spend that I could have put away that could have been collecting interest. And it's almost like it was expected that, like I got the message that a man is just going to take care of you. And all kids should have the information that they need in order to have productive conversations with their partners or just that they know how to do these things themselves. And I think the sooner the better because I didn't know about these things until really I didn't start thinking about some of these these things until I was divorced and in my 30s. And sometimes I wish I could make up for lost time. But, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. The only other piece of advice I would uh, give to my, my younger self or, or to, you know, honestly, anybody at any age is I am a somewhat rehabilitated spender or overspender. I had a job that you know, where I, I sold electronics and I bought just as much, much in uh, the electronics store that I probably sold. I made a lot of money and I spent a ton of money that I didn't necessarily need to spend. And 
one of the things that over the past, especially the past, I'd say 10 years or so, um, I think it would, it, my mind shifted definitely once Olivia was born was, you know, in thinking of the stuff that, that I had accumulated or bought and then sold and then rebought the newer version or whatever the case is and think back and say, okay, what do I have that is over 10 years old that I bought? And how important is that? And do I still use it? Do I still want it? Whatever the case is. And and again, to Karen's point, it doesn't mean you don't go out and buy the new phone or you don't go out and get a laptop or clothes or whatever the case may be. Or go out to eat or go to Starbucks or go on vacation. <laughs> right. I mean, if you're not living your life, then then what's the point of, of doing all of this, right? But I think it, it's more a thought of being very purposeful and really thinking it through. And and I probably now overanalyze more than anything when it comes to any purchase, whether it's a phone or a vehicle or a TV or whatever the case is, because I want to make sure that I am using those resources and that money as wisely as I can, because I, I do know that, you know, we got a phone, our phone six months ago, and realistically, in three to four years, they're going to be essentially worthless, and we're going to have to buy other phones. So do we go out and spend $1,000 on, on the newest phone and, and have it, or do we get one that's a year old that was still phenomenal as, as far as performance goes and save a ton of money? And I think that sharing those conversations with Olivia, not every single one, but if we are making a large purchase, like if we are going to get a new car or or anything like that, or even when Olivia asks us about things, if she can do certain things or if we can go certain places, sharing those conversations with her and our thought processes so that we can explain why we're doing what we're doing and model for her a way to be conscious about it. So it's not because I don't want her to feel like she has to do anything a certain way but at the same time I want her to be able to make the right decision for her whatever that is okay let's so have there been some times when you've seen Olivia do some things that from a perspective of money and thinking about the value of things that have been concerning to you that you've wanted to not correct, but maybe just model a different way for her to think about it. Yeah. I mean, and again, keep in mind, we try to do things in the most age appropriate way as possible. We do realize that much of this is probably first world problems, right? I mean, yeah. there are families in, in a lot of countries that share one room and you're lucky, you know, to have a stick as, as a toy growing up. Trying to really work with Olivia to understand what the value is of what she wants and what she needs and what she thinks she wants, but she maybe doesn't want. Or what she already has. Right. And and I think any parent out there with a younger little girl, probably a tween girl, probably fully has has lived the uh, um, the American doll. Yeah, I was thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. And Olivia has my parents are divorced. 
So she has two grandparents on my side. She has a set of grandparents with Karen's parents. And then she's got a set of uh, grandparents, actually two sets of grandparents on her mom's side. And she ended up collecting quite a lot, in my opinion, of American Girl dolls and American Girl doll accessories and you name it. And and I like I felt like she had it. And, you know, she got to the point where she was actually even watching YouTube videos of these unboxings and a girl who had every single item pretty much that the American Girl doll, you know, made. And I'm sure that uh, they actually sent, sent it to her just to review, just to, you know, for free advertising. But when when we were asking her what she wanted for her birthday, she'd say, oh, I want a new doll, for example. And she might have already had three or four of them. And as a kid, you can only play with one. When she invited her friends over, they always brought theirs over. So how many do you really need? And and so we would gently have those conversations. But what I felt, again, trying to be age appropriate is really taking more of a look back period. Because that, and that's one of the things that really worked for me. And, and so, again, I think naturally you kind of teach people in the way that, you know, something that worked for you, you often use the same kind of technique. And so after she kind of started to outgrow the American Girl doll stuff, we would say, hey, you know, do you remember when last year when you got that American Girl doll stuff and now you're wanting to sell it? Realistically, did you really need it? then or or is it was that just something that that you thought you needed yeah she's really good about cleaning things out and letting things go but i find it a little bit concerning sometimes if it's almost like if you're able to let it go that quickly which you shouldn't hoard things that you're not using anymore it that's not helpful either but but yeah, where it's if you can let it go that easily now and you've barely even used it, did you really value it in the first place? And that I was uncomfortable with that. That was that bothered me a little bit because I felt like there wasn't a sense of value for what those things were and an understanding of how privileged she was to have all of that stuff. And I think that we all could have that conversation with ourselves. But I, and I that's why I think with the conversations about how we do our spending are really important, because if she's doing something, she learned it somewhere. It might have been from her friends. It might have been from things that we modeled. So I, I think it's really important to talk about that, because a lot of the habits that we learn are things that we saw our parents doing. And if you're not talking about spending and money and why you're doing the things that you're doing, and if you're not being conscious about it, it makes it a, a lot harder for your kids to grow up to be conscious about it and be able to make good decisions about that. So, yeah, I definitely agree on the whole American Girl doll thing and just the the talk about, all right, in the moment you thought you really wanted that, but when you're making those decisions and when you're thinking about things that you want to get or that you want to tell people that you want, really think about it. Take a step back and think about if you really want that. 
One real quick proud papa moment, if you would. We actually had a trampoline in our backyard, and long story short, it was actually our neighbor's trampoline, but he couldn't fit it in his yard, so he let us basically put it in our yard, and it essentially just became ours. And we had some storms this past winter, and a tree branch, another neighbor's tree branch, actually fell through the trampoline. And I asked my neighbor, do you want to get the money back for it, or do you want to replace it, or whatever? And he was like, honestly, no, no big deal, like, whatever. And, you know, again, trying to be neighborly, the the guy's branch who fell, I was like, don't even worry about it. You know, again, it wasn't technically ours to begin with, and he doesn't want to do anything with it, and neither do we. And obviously, the trampoline was for Olivia. I mean, I think Karen and I are probably getting too old to be jumping on the trampoline just for fun, the two of us. Um, but I asked her, is that something that you're going to want? Like, do you, do you want to replace this? And she actually told me, and she, she said something to the effects of, well, I know I'd use it every once in a while, but I don't know if I'd use it enough to justify it. She was like, let's hold off for now, and then I'll kind of take a mental note of every time I want to use it, and we can't, we don't have it. And if it's enough time, then yeah, maybe we should get one, but not, then we probably shouldn't, and we, we don't need it. To me, it wasn't what she said or the fact that she said she didn't want it right then. It was the actual thought process of taking it through and understanding that if we buy this, it's money that we don't have to do something else. And so, yeah, let, let's make sure that it is something I really want before we just go out and buy it. Maybe that's too deep for an 11-year-old kid, but I think the earlier we can teach our kids that kind of thought process and that analytical kind of thinking, the better they are, are going to be in the long run. We can explain it to them and model it to them. We don't have to expect them to fully master it. That's how anything works. You don't always get it the first time. It's it's the repetition of it that makes a difference. So even if they don't get it right away, that's okay. I didn't know about that. I didn't know that she said that. So that's pretty cool. It's comforting. <laughs> Sometimes when we're telling her things and she's digging her heels in, I think, oh, she's never going to get this. And then one day she just starts to get it like she used to want. I mean, she still puts candy in her lunch when she makes her lunch. Sometimes it's like a small treat, but she's starting to make salad and put fruit in there and make good decisions about that. So all of those things. This seems like a good place to wrap up, so we are going to end the episode here. But this is definitely the first of many conversations that we will be sharing about how we talk about important topics like finances, setting boundaries with each other, with Olivia, and how we overall just stay on the same page and form a united front with the way that we parent and the way that we live our lives. So stay tuned for more discussions like this one. Just a couple housekeeping things before we wrap up. First, don't forget to check out the time tracking journal. If you want a tool to help you get through homework and chores with ease without nagging or bribes. 
if you struggle to get your kids to be independent with some of those day-to-day tasks that they may not like to do, but need to learn how to do in order to be independent people one day. And if you want to just have peace of mind that you're number one, helping them build the skills now that they need to eventually be successful adults one day. And Number two, a more immediate need to help you get through the day and retain your sanity at the same time. So to learn a simple set of strategies and get a simple tool that's going to help build the skills your kids need in order to be independent and organized and keep track of their assignments, just go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash time journal. Again, that's drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash time journal. Next, I wanted to remind you that it helps us so much if you leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple. All you need to do is just search for Are They 18 Yet? and you can leave us a review. There's usually a big purple button that you have to click if you're on Apple that will allow you to leave a review. So that helps us to get the show in front of more people who need it. And also, I may give you a shout out on a later episode. Our listener shout out for this week comes from screen name Schrodinger's Other Cat. And this person says, loved binging on these episodes, especially the ones about improving your kids' attention and focus. Thank you so much for your review. We certainly appreciate it. I'm Dr. Karen, and this is the Are They 18 Yet podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in episode 14. <music>